Fifteen-year-old Simon has come to London to study painting, but he finds that his friend and patron has inexplicably disappeared. What's more, his landlords seem to be involved in a plot against King James and his allies, the serenely foggy Duke and Duchess of Battersea. With the help of impish little Dido Twight and the resourceful Sophie, Simon struggles to expose the plot. A cellar full of guns, a wild balloon ride, hungry wolves, Will these trials keep the trio from saving King James and the Batterseas? Welcome to Treat Your Shelf, a book club podcast where each month we read a book and come together to discuss it. I'm Hannah. I'm Christina. And I'm Emma. Emma, tell us what we're reading this month. What are we discussing? As everybody may remember, we are doing our favorite books part two, and we are doing one of my other favorite books of all time, Black Hearts in Battersea by Joan Aiken. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited to talk about this book. I've spent a lifetime of not having anyone to talk about this book with. <laughs> Nobody has ever read this book except for me. <laughs> oh my goodness. That can't be true, but in America, <laughs> it's at least true. Mm, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. So I believe we start out with our non-spoiler reviews. Christina. Okay. What did you think of the book? I was really surprised. So first of all, I'm going to need someone to tell me a little bit about King James III. Yes. Like, <laughs> Well, he's not real. I'll tell you that. He's well, kind of real. Yes. I guess someone's going to have to, like, refresh me on the history surrounding this time period because I did have a hard time, like, like, no one said explicitly, at least from what I recall, it's the year 18 blah 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 or 15. We know it's the early 1800s. It's the 1830s. You should have looked at the family tree. Oh, okay. I suppose it did say there. I um, okay. so much to say about so, the history. like, when I first started reading the book, I was like, oh, it's medieval times. And then, <laughs> like, as I'm reading, I'm like, okay, there's lots of fancy carriage. I'm like, okay. Like, trying to put it together, I was very confused. Anyways, but I really enjoy, besides my time confusion, I always get confused by the 1800s mm. and early 1900s, no matter what country we're in. Right. <laughs> and either ways, besides the time confusion, I enjoyed the book. I thought it was really nice and it was it was really cute. Like, I wonder how it ties into the rest of the series. Like, are they all standalone or... Like, what's what's going on? Are the other books good? Like, tell us what's up, Emma. <laughs> I will, but first, it will be Hannah's turn to tell us, what did she think of the book? I have so much to say. <laughs> so I'm going to kind of rate this in two different ways. If I were a kid when I read this, I would have oh, yeah. absolutely loved it. It was funny. It was silly. It was action-packed. As an adult... I do have some nitpicky things, and I think also just as a podcast, you know, I have some things that I want to kind of nitpick at. But I did overall really, really enjoy this book. Going into some of my nitpicks, I think the pacing was a little weird with this book, because (laughs) you start off with the mystery of where is Simon's contact, Dr. Field. And then Simon is kind of trying to figure it out, but he's also 
not? I mean, he's not actively yeah. trying to figure it out. And so, Emma, I was so surprised reading this because it felt so slice of life. And you don't <laughs> like slice of life. And I was like, what is this? We're just seeing Simon's day to day. What? What? <laughs> I was so confused. But then there's like three chapters in a row where it's nothing but action. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> yeah. It did feel like it didn't feel totally slice of life to me because I felt like the whole time people were being shady and mysterious uh-huh. and like kind of weird. So right. I felt like it was setting up later mysteries or current mysteries. Like, I don't know. I always felt like something interesting was happening. Right. Yeah. I also in regards to pacing, we we get the climax and, and then and then the book ends. I don't know that there was really much resolution after and I don't really know what I necessarily needed or wanted resolution wise but it was very much here's all the action and we're done and i know it's part of a series and maybe maybe that's why that's again i'm i'm wondering about the standalone versus like how it intertwines with other books if we maybe get more resolution in other books if that makes sense i don't know it it just seemed like a very sudden we're done <laughs> just um. like robocop <laughs> <laughs> the moment the story's over the movie ends cut to credits <laughs> another thing that i'm interested in discussing and i could be f- completely wrong on this but i don't feel like simon ever did anything like except for the ending in the book everything just kind of happened to him yeah <laughs> but no I'll, I'll tell you what simon did hannah but okay <laughs> are you finished with your no, I still okay, have more okay, things. Then please continue. Uh, but just <laughs> stay tuned. You. I'll tell you why Simon's great. <laughs> I mean, I loved, I loved Simon. I loved Caroline. I loved the kitty cat. I, I loved so many of the random little things. I, Hannah, there... who's Caroline? <laughs> the, 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 the donkey, right? Yeah, I know you, you like, uh, you like oh Simon and the God. two animals. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really liked Caroline the donkey. Uh, (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I don't know. A couple other nitpick things. I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of accents being written into stories. I I think I've I've thought it over, and if you're shortening words... That seems fine, but I don't think you necessarily need to change the digraphs to match the accents like they were doing, especially with the French guy, art Mm. school dude. I I don't know that you necessarily need to do that. It's enough for me to know that this person is French, this person is Scottish. You can add in definitely, I mean, like, Scottish has so many different words in there that, like, sure, add all of the (laughs) the Scottish (laughs) words. But I don't know that you necessarily need to write the accent directly into the story, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Again, very nitpicky. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, my final nitpick is is about the timeline because it is an alternate history. This book needed to take place 70 years earlier for it to make sense historically. It 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 does not it does not fit in to the 1800s correctly or at least if you're going to have James the 3rd and George the 1st it 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 doesn't it doesn't fit they they were long dead i mean James the 3rd died in like the 1760s it so timeline wise there are issues but i can live with it but it's also pretend and the whole point of it being pretend was so you could not nitpick the history <laughs> I don't know. It's just really weird that you have 
James the Third not being the pretender and being a rival against George, that's a really cool idea and having George be the pretender, but I I don't know then why it wasn't set in a time period where they would have been alive. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I again, all of those criticisms aside, I really did have a fun time with this book. I just, there are some things to nitpick. I mean, you didn't finish the series. They could be immortal vampires. <gasps> Maybe. That's, no, that doesn't happen. James III dies in one of the books. <laughs> Spoilers. Oh. James III dies and then Richard IV becomes king. Interesting. Who is not a real person at all. So <laughs> that's a spoiler for later. If anybody out there was really concerned or really loved the James the Third character, I'm sorry he dies. <laughs> the fictional James the Third character. <laughs> all right. What did I think of this book? We already know. I love this book. I've read it so many times. I think it's just got everything you could ever want in a book. It's got a lot of action. It's got great characters. As I get older, I can appreciate the humor more. Mm. When you're mm-hmm. a kid, it's, you're taking everything pretty seriously. But now it's like, oh my god, these situations are so absurd. And I just, I love it. I don't really know what to say other than That's that. Fair. So Yeah, I did appreciate the humor. I thought it was really quick mm-hmm. and dry and that is what I like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like, I really like, I wasn't sure what to expect from this book at all. And I am hesitant to, I don't know. I haven't read many like British novels mm-hmm. and like, I don't know much about British history outside of medieval re- Renaissance times, which is maybe why my mind always just, <laughs> Goes back to those mm-hmm. times. <laughs> what was England like in the past? You know, medieval. You know, they were throwing chamber pots out their windows into mm-hmm. rivers of poop. Like, I don't know. Anyways, so the humor is like what really drew me in mm-hmm. on the first few pages. Just him like trying to find Dr. Field's office. Like, yes. in the first couple pages, I was like, okay, I could do this. All right, <laughs> like, yeah, okay. We're getting into yeah. spoilers now. I definitely want to talk about this first chapter because there's a million it's, it's great things that happen. So great. Yeah. The first chapter. Okay, so as we kind of hinted at, this is actually the sequel to the story, The Wolves Willoughby Chase. Simon was in that book. He helps these two girls out. They're the main characters of the book. He helps them out with their troubles. And now it's time for him to have his own adventure. He met Dr. Field Mm -hmm. in the previous book. Dr. Field was kind of a kooky doctor. He's also, okay, there's no description of Dr. Field in this book. Mm -hmm. And the only description of him in The Wolves of Willoughby Chase is that he's a young man. So. Which is not what I, like, I forgot about that because I haven't read The Wolves of Will- I've only read The Wolves of Willoughby Chase twice now. I read it right before mm-hmm. for this podcast. Okay. And I was like, oh, I always imagined Dr. Field is older, but I guess this kind of makes sense why, like, him and Simon connect more because they're actually yeah. probably not that far apart in age. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, all right, so that's catching yeah. you up on previously. Mm-hmm. Now in this book... Simon discovered his love of painting in the last book, and now he's going to fulfill his dreams and study painting in London. And he's going to live with Dr. Field, who has just moved in with the Twite family, but he's trying to find Rose Alley, and boy, is it tough, because he's not used to the city. (laughs) The very first note I took was a quotation, because that's me. (laughs) And that was every note you took. it was, 
This individual, a sharp-looking boy of 11 or 12, who seemed to be dressed in nothing but one very large pair of trousers. Yes! <laughs> I was like, I don't care who that kid is. I love him. <laughs> He's like the main antagonist of the story. I know! <laughs> I love them anyway. <laughs> yes, oh a child God. wearing a giant pair of trousers with like armholes cut in the yep. side. Yes. <laughs> Steals a Simon's letter that has Dr. Field's address on it. Mm -hmm. And Simon's like, well, that's not too much of a problem. I've read this letter a million times. I just need to find out where Rose Alley is. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. I forgot about that kid with the pants. (laughs) (laughs) One of my other notes that I took down was Dido is a hoot. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So he does eventually find Rose Alley. And he, he asks is this where the Twites live? And she says, I'm Miss Twite. And that's our introduction to little Mm. Dido Twite. Oh, and also, as Hannah mentioned, Simon's coming to London with his donkey Caroline. Mm. (laughs) And his kitten. And his kitten, which he just, I don't know why he has a kitten, but he has a kitten. It's so cute. And it just hangs out with him for a while until Mm -hmm. he's like, oh, I'll give it to this family. So yes, we are quickly introduced to Dido Twite, the greatest female character of all time. (laughs) (laughs) I love her. I wanted to be her. I still want to be her. (laughs) Oh my gosh. She's... She she starts out pretty nasty in this book, but mm. you realize very quickly she's got some really nasty parents. Yeah. Yeah, I I was really surprised at some of the darker things that were going on in this book and some of the choices that especially Dido's father ends up doing at the end. I mean, yeah, there were just <laughs> some some dark things in this book that surprised me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're really radicalist, for sure. Mm-hmm. We'll, I mean, we'll go to no lengths for their mission. Right. Their very own gunpowder we'll plot. We'll go to great lengths. We'll go to yeah, great I lengths. Yeah, I go to no lengths. And I'm like, <laughs> so they won't do anything? <laughs> they won't do anything for their mission. They'll go to great lengths that, for their that mission. Might, that might actually be a good description for Mr. Twite is he doesn't actually want to go to any lengths. He's like for the cause, but he doesn't, he's not really invested in doing anything about it. Yeah. He's more about like singing songs about the cause. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So uh, Simon meets Dido. He's like, Hey, does Dr. Field live here? And eventually she's like, no, no, Dr. Field, Dr. Field never met him. Who is he? So, Simon's sort of at a loss, but he's like, I guess I'll live here anyway. I got to live somewhere while I study art. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the Twite parents are not home. I believe they were at, where they had a fair. It doesn't matter where they were. And plotting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I feel like it, it was just like some work thing until the morning or something like that. I don't know. Yes. Nine-year-old girl left alone. 15-year-old boy shows up. Hey, can I rent a room here? She's like, sure, give me your money. He's like, no, I'll give it to your parents. I'm not giving you my money. (laughs) Wise decision. Simon makes some naive decisions, but this was one of his wise decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, this leads, this is all chapter one, and it leads to another one of my favorite scenes where then Mr. Twite comes home and he's like, 
mad at his wife and he's like, I'm going to go sleep in the guest room. And then he walks in and Simon just sits up in bed and is like, hi, I'm Simon. I've come to live here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Surprise. Hope I'm not intruding. <laughs> oh, he was intruding because then he had to like pay extra for scaring Mr. Yeah. Twite or something. <laughs> Yes, he did. Yep. <laughs> and arriving late at night. Mm. Even though technically he didn't. Yeah. He did not arrive in the middle of the night, but Mr. Twite did and was quite surprised when Simon was in the bed that he wanted to sleep in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but whatever. Simon, yeah, so like Hannah said, Simon kind of wants to find Dr. Field, but he's also like, I gotta, I gotta go to art school and then mm-hmm. I gotta get a job to pay for art school and for my new housing so there, yeah, he's living his life, you know. He is. He's really, he's really practical. Mm-hmm. And I can see where you get slice of life out of this because he's like, all right, I gotta get a job. Yeah, here I am going to work. <laughs> yeah, like I gotta get a job. I gotta go to school, and after I get all this in line, then I'll go and do the mission. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to make connections Maybe. in London first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he's got he gets a job at a blacksmith place, Mr. Cobb, who's great. Mr. Cobb the cobbler. He's not a cobbler. That's he doesn't make shoes. Oh yeah, you're right. He's a blacksmith. <laughs> I kinda thought a cobbler was the one that made wheels for carriages. No. That's Wainwright. No, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. He he makes it to the art academy. It takes a bit because Dr. Field was not there to tell him where the art academy was, but he makes it there. And we meet Dr. Ferno, the French uh, principal of the Art Academy, who Hannah did not like his accent. I'm fine with his accent. I just don't need it. I don't need the digraphs taken out and adding a Z instead of having the TH. Like, that's not necessary. I agree. I speak the French. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's him. <laughs> Hannah's very anti-French accent. <laughs> Famously. <laughs> Wow. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> the person who's obsessed with French history, especially during this time. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's 1700s, 1600s, 1700s. <laughs> that's why Hannah took personal offense to this. She's like, no, I need better French representation. Yes, give me the better yes. French representation. I'm also confused why James Third has a very thick Scottish accent because... As far, I mean, maybe in this iteration he spent more time in Scotland, but I mean, at least his father spent the majority of his time in France because his mother was related to the Sun King, Louis the Sun King. And anyway, he spent a lot of time in France. Wow. <laughs> wow. No, none of this happens in the book, Hannah. See, this is the history I need. I did not know any of this. No, now you're just going to confuse Christina. No. You're better off no. not knowing history. No, I I book. am ready to go from James the First all the way to James the Third. If you want me to, <laughs> not right now. We got to get through the book first, and then you can do it. Yeah. So Simon's got to prove that he can draw. So Doctor Ferno's like, I don't know, draw on my wall and draw mm-hmm. whatever. And so Simon's just drawing on a wall for the entire day. Yeah. 
in a seven by seven space. That's a lot of space to take up, like seven feet by seven feet, I assume, although it's British. So it could be seven (laughs) meters by seven meters, which is even larger or seven centimeters by seven centimeters, which is very tiny. (laughs) Who knows? But (laughs) I assume it was a very large space. And that's very daunting to me. And he draws like this whole scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's he- a scene that includes Hannah's favorite character. Caroline. Caroline the donkey. Caroline. Caroline the donkey. <laughs> Never forget Caroline the donkey. <laughs> Put up with so much. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel so bad for her. Oh, yeah. Because Simon had to fi- was like, oh, I got to find a place to put my donkey. And he mm-hmm. puts it with this like milk delivery lady who yeah. then mm-hmm. abuses Caroline and Simon's like yeah. oh no you don't yeah again yeah. surprisingly dark things throughout this book the animal abuse was one of them yeah London has always been a dark place overcrowded <laughs> true just you true. know that's where cities started and cities <laughs> have not always been a great place to live very wise and Simon's not used to living in the city because he lived in a cave before yeah. this. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god. Oh Simon. I love Simon. So Simon's such a mystery to me, and I feel like it's because of the first book. He's like, I know how to shoot a gun really well because I hunted all the time. Because he lived in a cave. He lived in a cave and he had a bow and arrow and he shot at wolves and it was yes. pretty cool. <laughs> Such a cool man. But yeah, okay, he's drawn on this wall, and we are introduced to another character, Justin Lord Bakerloo, mm-hmm. nephew of the current Duke of Battersea, who is expected to be a great artist because his grandfather was a great artist. Yes. But he's not a great artist. No, he hates art. He's a little brat. <laughs> he is. Whatever. Simon Simon decides to help Justin now. Like, here's how you, how to draw. Like, come on, you can do mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Eh, whatever. Justin doesn't really care. But whatever. Simon's accepted into the school because his drawing on the wall is great. And now he's going to be an art student. And so he's got that fixed. He's got his job at the blacksmith shop. He also happens to see that his friend Sophie lives in London, who was an orphan with mm-hmm. him in the super abusive orphanage that we don't really know much about, but mm-hmm. it's a terrible place that they both were forced to live in for a long time. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Simon's going to go home to the Twite house. He's like, I'm going to ask the Twites where Dr. Field is. First, I'm going to take a bath. And Dido's going to drop a piece of toast with jam on my head. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. (laughs) And then she calls him Jelly Boy. (laughs) Jelly Boy, Jelly Boy. That's it. That's it, exactly. It made me laugh, like, way too much. I'm like, this is so dumb. That's why it's funny. (laughs) It was funny because, like, so he's on his way to the showers, like, when she does it. Mm -hmm. And my first thought was, like, well, at least he's, like, about to take a shower. And then later she's like, you're about to take a shower. It doesn't even matter. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, I agree. Exactly. Simon's immediately is like, oh, yeah, I guess so. Hmm. (laughs) I'm less mad about this, but still. (laughs) Yeah. So he's taken his bath and then he he can overhear the twites because they're like standing next to the chimney. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh my God, we got to get rid of this boy. How did he make it here? Oh my God, we got to use the dark dew to get rid of him. And Simon's Mm -hmm. like, 
oh, that's kind of weird. Let me go in and talk to these people about where Dr. Field is. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's immediately offered some Mountain Dew with his tea. Yeah. Which I don't really know what Mountain Dew was back then. Okay, in the book, they later explain that it's prune brandy or prune wine. Oh, okay. okay I missed okay. that. Okay. Yeah, later when Dido has it, she's like, it's Mountain Dew. And Simon drinks it and he's like, oh, it's prune wine. Okay, gotcha. All right. Yeah, I totally missed that line. Because <laughs> I was like picturing like soda and tea and I was like, hmm. But it's like making everyone drunk right away. I'm like really confused. <laughs> yes, obviously. So he has a nice sit down with the Twite family. Mr. Twite, Abednego Twite, Ella Twite, mm-hmm. the mother, Penelope Twite, the older daughter, and Dido Twite, the youngest daughter. They're like, tell us all, all about yourself, Simon. We want to know everything about you. Yeah, he's reluctant, but he ends up like telling them everything about himself. Yeah. As you and- do to strangers. <laughs> well, he's living with them. I mean, they're not that strange. They are very strange. They are very strange. Mr. Twite, this was a great part where he's like, oh, all my family is musical. My wife, she plays the triangle. <laughs> and I, that made me laugh. And then I don't know if I've ever noticed this before, but then later in the book, when Dido's explaining like, oh, dad's here and this is where all my family is. She says that her mom is going to the Lady Triangulus social. And I'm like, wait a minute. Is this a social for Lady Triangle players? Oh my gosh. I thought it was just code for we're plotting. (laughs) It probably isn't real and it probably is. That's like just what she says where she's like, oh, I got to go plot to overthrow the king. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I didn't put together that it could have been a meeting of people who played the triangle. It's it's a meeting of people who play the triangle. I, I was laughing so hard. I was like, oh my God, I don't think I've ever noticed this. Oh my god, that's amazing. But yeah, so Simon's like, hey, where's Dr. Field? And they're like, never met him, don't know, but you should stay here because he might show up. And then you wouldn't be able to find him if you left. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they so then Simon does stay there. He's like, yeah, I guess so. He's yeah. being gaslit so hard and it's working, which makes sense because mm-hmm. he's 15 and he doesn't have any sort of connections yeah he doesn't have anyone to support him yeah except for the cobs i feel like they are super supportive and i feel like if he were to open up to them more they would have been like i mean they had already offered him a place to stay Mm -hmm. and he's eating dinner there all the time i think if he had been more honest with them about what was going on they would have been like this is you need to leave there like we're gonna set things right we're gonna report them like or would they you know everything will be fine yeah i mean who knows well because there's skipping ahead a bit but i'll go back but he there's the part where simon's like okay so there's all right so there's james the third which hannah will tell us all about but then the the evil group in this book is the hanoverians Mm-hmm. And they want to yeah. overthrow the king. And so there's one time when Simon is talking to Mr. Cobb and he's like, hey, um, hypothetical question. Mm-hmm. If you discovered a Hanoverian plot, what would you do? And Mr. Cobb's yeah. just like, oh, they're just all talk. 
I wouldn't do anything. Yes, but okay, so this is after Simon discovers like a bunch of weapons mm-hmm. and guns and Yes. Yeah, basically. In the Twight cellar. Yeah. And but that to me says action. And I think to Mr. Cobb, that would have said action as well. Oh, yeah. So I would have I been interested to see if his reaction changed. But I can see why Simon would have been hesitant to tell him about it after that initial reaction mm. from him. Yeah. But uh, before any of this exciting action happens, we do have the slice of life portion because we have Simon going to art school. He meets Gus and fathers who mm-hmm. are also art students. They- yeah, I was like. I legit thought they were like homeless people when they were first (laughs) described. I was like, I'm so confused right now. What is happening with this character? I thought it was one character talking to himself (laughs) and referring to himself as two people. (laughs) I was so confused for a while. (laughs) Well, they're not super important, but I wish they were in the book more. I wish there were more art student Mm -hmm. scenes in this book. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But an important scene that happens is when Simon, working at the blacksmith shop, he offers to return the Duke's horse and carriage or something. Mm-hmm. He he offers to return something to the Duke because he's like, my friend Sophie works for the Duke. I or she he she the specifically Duchess. works for the Duchess. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to go talk to her, so this is a great chance for me to go and see her. So he goes. And he does see Sophie, but he also sees a crazy old man in the rafters. Yes. <laughs> yes. I kind of thought this might be Hannah's favorite character. You know, I don't know. Pants up to the neck with armholes. I <laughs> Bert And a donkey. I don't know how you beat those. <laughs> but yeah, there's this strange old man observing uh, Mold. Mm-hmm. And he, he like lowers himself down and is like, oh, are you disturbed by the puddle on the ground? And Simon's like, oh, no, it's fine. And he's like, oh, I like puddles too. Come play chess with me. <laughs> yes, he sets up a chess date with him. Yeah, Simon's uh... pretty flustered. He, but he's like, okay, sure, I'll just say yes to this guy and then leave and then maybe not do this. Yeah. But we'll see. Does he play mm-hmm. chess yeah. with this strange old man? We can only hope. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he does meet up with Sophie and they catch up. She's like, oh, yeah, um, after you ran away from the orphanage, eventually I got hired by the Duchess because she saw how great I was at embroidery. And now I live mm. with them and it's super great. Yeah. Oh, and then the important thing is that Simon asks, like, hey, remember that old man? Um, he asked me to play chess with him. Should I play chess with him? And then Sophie just laughs at him for the mm-hmm. for their entire yeah. walk back to Battersea Castle. And yes. she's like, yeah, that was the Duke of Battersea. You better play chess with him. Yeah. Surprise. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I think this is what, like, Hannah was talking about earlier. Like, Simon doesn't really do a lot. He's just, like, in the right place at the right yeah. time. And things, like, happen to him. Like... He's literally just walking by, a guy asks him if he likes puddles, and now he's, like, playing chess with the Duke, and they're best friends. Yeah. He has really great luck. Yeah, that goes into 
the next part where I will explain what Simon does because Simon gets home and Dido has the Quincy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. What is that? Well, uh, like the flu or? It's like tonsillitis. Okay. Is well, I looked it up because I was like, I've, I've read mm-hmm. this book a million times. I don't know what the Quincy is. <laughs> But Dido has it. I have suspected, like, her parents to have, like, poisoned her. (laughs) Wow. Whoa. That's dark. I don't know. Like, her mom is so mean to her. And for some reason, they, like, really didn't want her coming along on, like, you know, their business. Which I get, knowing what their business is and knowing who Dido (laughs) is. But um, I was like, are they, like poisoning her just to like keep her down a little bit and they kept giving her like concoctions and i i don't know i thought it was making her fever worse and Hmm. i don't know i didn't trust them (laughs) well i mean she has the quincy and none of none of her family's at home so they're just Mm -hmm. like maybe they're just like if we neglect her enough she'll die oh my gosh yeah but they probably don't even think about that they're just like whatever we don't care uh, but Simon does mm-hmm. care, even though there was the jelly in the hair. He's like, I like she's so pitiful. I'm gonna take care of her, and that's that's what Simon does in this book. Is Simon is so nice to everyone, and that's how he gets okay. rewarded. He was nice to Justin, even though Justin was mean to him, and then Justin ends up helping him out. We'll get to that. He's nice mm-hmm. to Dido. Mm-hmm. Dido then grows as a character and helps Simon out. He's nice by returning the horse and carriage, and then he becomes friends with the Duke. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not like a very interesting character trait per se, but it's mm-hmm. a really comforting character trait where it's just like, oh, if you're nice, nice things will happen to you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like karma. Yeah. So he helps, he, he t- takes care of Dido with her Quincy. This is when he discovers the guns in the coal cellar because he goes to get mm-hmm. some coal and he's like, oh my God. <laughs> and he's still kind of like, man, where's Dr. Fields? Yeah. At this point, I totally thought they killed Dr. Fields and like right. hit his body, especially after the conversation he overheard through the pipe. I was like... <laughs> I feel like they said something like, we're going to do to him what we did to the other guy or something along those lines. And I was like... I think so, yeah. Okay, they're going to kill him for sure. (laughs) Yes, there are some very dark things about this book. And then there's some like, oh, um, that was kind of nice of them not to kill Mm, Dr. Field. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But all right, Simon plays chess with the Duke. They become great friends. The Duke is a terrible chess player because he gets super distracted constantly mm-hmm. oh yeah that would be me cha- playing chess mm-hmm. <laughs> just oh well there was the one part where he was saying that one of the things that distracted him is he would look up a quote in a book and i'm like oh is this hannah <laughs> <laughs> just like yes. oh i remember this quotation let me find it <laughs> i write all the quotations down <laughs> but yeah i don't know before this I felt one of the other dark things that I think maybe I misread it, but Justin ends up breaking his arm or injuring his arm. And so now he doesn't have to do art anymore. And he's really happy about that. And it, I don't know if I'm just connecting things wrong, but he had like taken a horse out that Simon had seen him and like gone off without anybody else around. And it just kind of felt like he had intentionally injured himself 
so that he wouldn't have to do art anymore. Yeah. And I for sure. Well, the, I felt really sad the, about that. The way that. I interpreted the scene, because they have a bit more of conversation where I feel like Simon asks, like, are you really hurt? And Justin's just like, wink, I'm not. Yeah, that's, that was my <laughs> oh, interpretation okay. of it as well. Like, it made it seem like he got into a horse accident and there were witnesses, but he's fine. Okay, so I misread that. He just doesn't that. want to go to art school. Yeah. <laughs> that, yes, that that would actually be super tragic if he was like, I gotta break my arms so I don't yeah! have to go to art school. That's how I yeah. read it. I, I must have skipped that line. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, well, Simon finds out that uh, the Duke knows Dr. Field, and he's like, oh my god, finally someone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Duke's saying, yeah, Dr. Field was cleaning my painting, but then he just stopped showing up. And Simon's like, I can clean your painting. And the Duke said, yeah, I'd love that. So now Simon's got like two jobs and art mm-hmm. school, and he's, yeah. he's got a lot going on in his life, but he can balance it because he's a hardworking young boy. <laughs> yes. So he's gonna clean the painting from now on. And that's when he has the conversation with Justin, I believe, about like mm. the arm breaking. Did he break his arm? We'll have to read the book again to find out. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, eventually Simon is like, well, no, Dido's super sad because Simon's so busy all the time. Mm-hmm. And Simon's like, okay, well, I'll have next Sunday free. What do you want to do? And she says that she wants to go to the fair because her parents never take her anywhere <laughs> and are super mm-hmm. mean to her. I know. So sad. It's, it's actually pretty mm-hmm. disturbing how her yeah. parents don't do anything with her. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, her older sisters run away. Yes, her sister runs away because the mom was berating her. For various reasons, even though the mom doted on Penelope yeah. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And even with her gone, she still doesn't like Dido <laughs> and treats her like poop. Yeah. So, and then the mom sets a parameter that she's not allowed to go to the fair unless Dido finds warm clothes. Yes. And no one's ever bought Dido clothes before. Yes. <laughs> which is also so sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and apparently her mom also doesn't have time to make her clothes or there's nothing passed down from Penelope that would work. I guess Penelope took everything with her when she left. I don't know. I guess. I'd be raiding her closet like crazy. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like, bye, sister. Everything that was yours is mine now. <laughs> but, yeah, mom's too busy plotting see that's mm-hmm. one of the things i don't really think i picked up on until reading it this time was that the mom is really the one who is yes. doing the plotting i because well, the, yeah it's her and her family yeah because the dad shows up in later books he's a more memorable character but in this book it's like oh mm. mom is like doing things she is mm-hmm. doing everything mr twite is like I'm just making up songs and <laughs> playing yeah. my hoboy. Mm-hmm. I'm unassuming. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Uh, yeah, so he promises Dido, I'll go to the fair. And then when Justin is annoying him while cleaning the painting, he's like, mm-hmm. at first he kind of wants to hit Justin. But then he's like, no, like Justin also has a pretty bad life of being under the thumb of his tutor, Mr. Buckle, and then 
the Duke and Duchess went off to the opera without him, but it's not like he wanted to go to the opera. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Still, he's he's a very yeah. lonely boy who has dead parents. It's it's sad. So Simon's like, do you want to go to the fair? And Justin's immediately changes and is like, oh, really? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's great. But then the scene, we get our first assassination attempt. Yeah. The Duke, mm-hmm. this is this is what the action comes in in this book, is we've got the off Duke. Off screen. Yes, all the, <laughs> a lot of action happens off screen. It's kind of funny. It's kind of great. The Duke, Duchess, and Sophie come storming back into the castle, and they're like, oh my god, our opera box caught on fire. Mm-hmm. We only yes. got down by sliding down this tapestry that <laughs> the Duchess yes. is working on yes. because of Sophie's quick thinking. <laughs> Yes. yes, and then when she didn't want to slide down, when the Duchess mm-hmm. didn't want to slide down the tapestry, they stretched it out like a trampoline, yeah. and she fell down on it. <laughs> it was pushed onto like, it. Like, what a large tapestry that she's working on. I don't know how to picture Enormous. this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm picturing like one of the really just like large wall tapestries. But how do you even carry that around? I was gonna say, is she just carrying it around because she's still working on embroidering it? Why? Yeah. Why is that yeah. something that they just okay? Yeah, because Sophie needs to always carry a million things to keep the Duchess occupied because she also gets bored easily. So she's just like, all right, I got the billiards, I got the croquet, I got the tapestry. <laughs> That would be me if I had a helping hand following me around. I'd be like, okay, you carry all my diversions. Like, if I want a book, you know, mm-hmm. like, you carry my book, you carry my laptop. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, everything's pretty condensed these time of days, but you can carry my embroidery hoop. <laughs> I'm not working on a large tapestry today. <laughs> You're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're pretty quick with these assassination attempts because it's like the next day, and the Duke, Duchess, mm-hmm. and Sophie are out on a barge. The art students are painting outside in the river. It's a wonderful day. Wow, mm-hmm. great! Oh no, the barge is sinking. It's got the tapestry wrapped around it, but that only worked for so long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god! Like. <laughs> Just the thought of, like, trying to use the tapestry to, like, stop the hole, yeah. like, in a boat. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> you gotta do something. But yeah, this was it for Simon, because this is where he's like, okay, clearly the Twites are trying to kill the Duke and the Duchess. Maybe now mm-hmm. I should go to the constables, but you know what? I need to give Dido, like, a really good day before I tear her whole world apart (laughs) he's so he's too nice he also has to go to the (laughs) art student dinner first because after they rescue the duke and duchess Mm -hmm. this see i gotta talk about this because it's my favorite part of the book is the art students rescuing the duke and duchess from the sinking barge and then the dinner that they throw for Mm -hmm. the art students Mm -hmm. where the duke is like the simon has cleaned this painting let's all go see it and then the tapestry is in front of the painting as a curtain so that way they can reveal it and then oh no the painting is missing all right guys let's Mm -hmm. go hunt the painting and then all the students like tear apart the castle looking for the painting (laughs) although simon just leaves the hunt because he's like oh i promised to meet sophie because she promised to make a dress for dino so that way dino could go Mm -hmm. to the fair 
Yes. So sweet. Earlier with the painting, it had been noted that Sophie looked like somebody in the painting and that like Sophie and Simon have throughout been like, oh, you you look similar to each other. You could be siblings. Um, yeah, and they're like, and yet they still continue to go on dates. They're not, <laughs> they're not dates. They're wow, like, they're I didn't friends. read them as dates. Oh, you're right. They're just friends. Well, because the Duchess was like, "You have great taste. He's so handsome." <laughs> Obviously, they're gossiping about him together. I don't know wow. if she says that he's handsome, but I. She's like, he's quite a looker, or something <laughs> like that. We'll see. I'll. <laughs> We won't see. I won't look it up. But but yes, Simon resolves, okay, several assassination attempts later, I will go talk to somebody. But first, we got to go to the fair. Dido deserves a nice day. And they have a great day. It's cute. It's Simon, Sophie, Justin, and Dido all at the fair having a great time. There's a talking pig. There's other things. A Mm fire-breathing dragon. Lots of rides. I don't know. It's great. A fortune teller. Oh, a very ominous fortune teller who tells some very yeah. accurate predictions. Mm. For real. They come true, like, right away. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, Simon, all right, we're going home. We're going home from the fair. Simon drops Dido off. He goes to pay the driver of their carriage, and he tries to get back in the house. But what happens? He's, he's locked out. And then bushwhacked. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He gets shanghaied. Oh my god. Simon hauled away to the Dark Dew. It's a ship. Mm-hmm. Yes. It is not poisonous mountain dew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it could have been. It was it's still wise for Simon not to drink it. Right. Mm-hmm. We also find out around here that Buckle is at, like Dido's actual uncle and like related mm-hmm. to her mom. And so we've got some more family connections going on there with all of these terrible people who are doing these assassinations. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Hey, the Justin's tutor is related to the Twites who are super evil. Yeah. I wonder who else yeah. could be evil. Yeah, right. Simon's like realizing that everyone who misled him his first day in town is related. <laughs> is related to the twice. Yeah. <laughs> Guy who only wears the pants, the large Todd. pants. Todd. <laughs> There's the woman with the vegetable hat. We didn't talk mm-hmm. about her, but she's related. There's the old man yes. who had a poultice on his knee. He <laughs> was also a twite. Or not a twite. Jem. Oh, no, that... Oh, there are many poultices on the knee, but yes, Jem also. Oh. <laughs> we haven't talked about Jem. I thought Hannah might like this character because he constantly gets injured. Oh, I did like Jem. Jem's yeah. trying to spy on Simon and Sophie and he gets knocked down the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. But Oh, my God. Yeah. Not not much Jem, but anyway, Simon's in a bad way. But who comes to his rescue? Dido and Justin. Mm-hmm. Who wouldn't want those two to rescue you? <laughs> They're so cute. Oh my god. At first I was like, man, these people are rough. Because they're like... <laughs> They're just, like, really rough with him while, like, getting his bindings off. They're like, don't move, blah, blah, blah. But, like, that's just how Dido is. (laughs) And 
It was great. They find out that he's in the brig of a ship. Is that what it is? He was, I think he was I just in, like, in the, the hold. hold. Yeah. The hold. Yeah, that's what it was. In the middle of the sea. Mm-hmm. They they get him out of there by just, like, rolling him onto a sack and then dragging him yes. to the, like, ladder. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I can't move. I've been tied up for days and I'm concussed and feverish. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my god. I can't even imagine them pulling him up those ladders. I know, it's like, isn't it like one above and one below, and yeah. they're like pushing and pulling him? Yes. <laughs> god. It's helpful when you realize Justin is... I forget what age. I, like, messaged Emma, like, what in the world age is Justin? Because I <laughs> yeah. read him as, like, really young. Yeah. Like, like Dido's age, but he's he's a bit older. Yeah. So, yeah, I was reading him as, like, four... I was reading him as, like, 14, 15, mm. and then I was reading Simon more as, like, 17, 18. Oh, okay. No, they're, they're both supposed to be around 15, but Simon's just very mature, and Justin's very immature. So yeah. it's hard to tell. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, the the dark dude. They're like, okay, we're kind of stuck in the middle of the ocean. What are we gonna do? Um, <laughs> I guess we could. The crew's pretty drunk. Maybe we can get them to sail us back. <laughs> like if we get a gun. <laughs> oh my gosh, they're plotting to try and figure out how they're gonna take over this ship, and then it not being necessary because the ship is like immediately on fire. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Dido yeah. accidentally left a candle in the hold, which may have been the cause of the burning of the ship. Possibly. <laughs> but again, the crew was super drunk. Yeah. The crew was super drunk. I don't believe that a candle would have started that big of a fire. But yeah, I mean, like, the ship definitely gets caught on a rock. Like, its rudder gets caught on a rock. Yeah. And then it splits in half. So who knows? Anything could have happened. But anyway, they're pretty shipwrecked. The the crew all abandoned ship. Half the crew died. That's, that's yeah. probably true. Whatever crew was on the bow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> died. Because it flipped over and then they all just fell in the sea. Yeah. And then everyone else had to look away. Yeah. <laughs> and then there are people in lifeboats kicking people out of the lifeboat and trying mm-hmm. to grab back on. And it's pretty dire. And then Dido and Justin are just like, we can't swim. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. This is actually a really scary part of the book. When It really is. If I were a kid reading this, I might be a little traumatized. <laughs> like, this is the Titanic all over again. It's, <gasps> it's pretty scary. Simon shoves Justin in a barrel. He says, okay, you're the Duke's nephew. You're the most important person here. Go into this barrel. Mm-hmm. And, okay, Dido, I'm going to tie us to this oar and we're going to have to swim to somewhere, who knows where. Mm-hmm. But Simon is still in a really bad way, so he doesn't make it very far. And they rest on a rock, and the tide's coming in, and Dido's like, there's not enough room for both of us. I think I'm going to try and swim for it, even though I don't know how to swim. Mm-hmm. The end. End of that chapter, because mm-hmm. now we get into the part of the book where it splits between Simon and Sophie. Sophie suddenly becomes a main character. Mm-hmm. more so than mm-hmm. she, she was because she's back in London being like man Simon hasn't visited me for a while yeah that's kind of weird she waits five days yeah and she's on vacation they were seeing each other every day I feel like I would have waited less than five days 
But, I mean, mm. it was back then before phones. I don't know. But, I mean, he Maybe. works at Mr. Cobb's where she's currently staying. And I don't know. Like, I, I would have been suspicious way sooner than five days. Well, maybe she should have been. But she gets a note that Dido wrote saying, Yes. Uh, Simon's been kidnapped. I'm going to rescue him. <laughs> Bye. Oh, okay. <laughs> also, the the guy carrying the note, didn't he delivered it a day late. He, he took a while to get it to. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, my mom wouldn't let me out of the house or something. Yeah. Yeah. He did the best he could. He's only a and child. Don't worry. Sophie's on the case now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And Mr. Cobb is like, oh, man, I should have taken Simon more seriously when he talked about the Hanoverians. I'm going to go get the cops. Uh, Sophie, you go help the Duke and Duchess. And so mm-hmm. Sophie goes back home and she's like, hey, there's some embroidery to do. I'm going to do that. And she's sitting behind the stack of paintings that the art students all brought down during their hunt for the painting. And then she overhears yeah. the plotting of Mr. Buckle and another one of the servants. There's mm-hmm. several. It doesn't matter who they are. And they're just like, yes, we are super evil and going to kill the Duke and Duchess. And Sophie's like, oh, God, what should I do? And then Duchess runs in and is like, we're going to Chipping's because... Justin might have run away there because Justin's been missing for the past five days. We don't know where he is. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And Sophie's like, hooray! My problems Perfect. have been solved. They go on a train trip. They go on a train trip that leads to a carriage trip. That Right. I was thrown by there being trains just because, again... I mean, I guess timeline-wise, it it kind of works. I don't know. I just know that Queen Victoria was the first British monarch to ride on a train. So, I don't Hmm. know. In in this... Because this should be, I mean, you said like 1830s. Like, 1840s is when Queen Victoria was, like, riding on a train for the first (laughs) time. So... (laughs) I... In the Wolves of Willie Be Chase, they, like, make it a big point that there's trains. So I wonder if that was them. The setup for, hey, look, there are trains. There maybe shouldn't Mm. be trains, but here they are. Okay. I was confused about the trains, too. But, I mean, I was confused about everything (laughs) (laughs) time-related. Every time a new element time-related popped up, I was like, okay. Right, when they mentioned the French Revolution. (laughs) And you're like, hold up. Yeah. (laughs) Wait a minute. No, no, you don't. (laughs) They did mention wolves a lot in this book. Mm -hmm. That's because there's wolves. Left over from the Wolves of Willoughby Chase. That's just... I know. <laughs> that's just part of the thing of this fictional world is wolves are there to kill you. Don't go out. They will get you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are just lots of wolves around. But they do have to fight some wolves. The Duke and Duchess and Sophie. When they get to Sophie's like foster dad's place. Yes. So the Duchess is still thinking, hey, Sophie, I noticed that picture where you look just like that person. I want to investigate this more. And Sophie said, oh, I have a bracelet that has mm-hmm. my initials on it but that my foster father kept for me. Uh, let's go visit him and see what there is. And his old mm-hmm. and his name was Old Turvy Top, and Old Turvy Top is dead. Yes. Yeah. Murdered, most probably. Yes. Yeah. No, my 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 notes specifically say they get there and find out he's dead. Wait, murdered. <laughs> <laughs> I know. As soon as they were like he died ten days before, I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah, murder. Yes, there's convenient timing. There's a guy there who says, I'm Turvy Top's nephew, young Turvy Top. <laughs> 
(laughs) (laughs) Okay. Young Turvy Top is not Turvy Top's nephew. He's just, he's probably the guy that killed Turvy Top. Probably. Unknown. Mm-hmm. But then I like later in the book when Mr. Twite is naming all of the conspirators, he's he says, and that guy who's calling himself Young Turvy Top. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I love that this guy is just like, this is my identity now. I am Young Turvy Top. Oh my Top. gosh. <laughs> but yeah, there, there's a wolf fight. They... They hit wolves with croquet mallets. It's pretty mm-hmm. yes. great. And they eventually get to Chipping's castle. Justin's not there because cut to Simon wakes up in bed on an island. Some woman is calling herself Nursie and calling mm-hmm. and she's calling Simon the Duke. What? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Surprise. It's the plot twist of the novel. Simon is the real heir to the throne of Battersea. Mm, to the dukedom, yeah. Because he has a patch of hair. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's got a little white tuft of hair. The Battersea tuft. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then poor Justin Buckle is actually his father. I know! I, that's uh, so rough. That's like the worst news, honestly. And his mom just like up and left. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It- his mom is Nursey, Mrs. Buckle, mm-hmm. and she's like, yeah, I abandoned you for the ship captain, who then abandoned me on this island. But, like, <laughs> your father was a good father, so I thought it was okay. Oh, oh God. Boy. No, his father is not a good father. No, not at all. Well, she's not a good mother, so... True. It, yeah, she's not She's not a great character when she's just very blatantly saying, yeah, I abandoned you. Mm. Yeah. I suppose she didn't expect to be shipwrecked on an island for however many years. Maybe she thought she could go visit her her little baby sometimes. Maybe. <laughs> but it's crazy that she wasn't able to hitch a ride. I'm sure other ships have like come by that island. That is interesting, yeah. Maybe she likes being on that island. I don't know. But who else is on that island? Dr. Field. He's alive! Yes! Yes! It's really, that's so satisfying when Justin, not Justin, when Simon finds him, because the Mm -hmm, whole book mm -hmm. is just, where is he? Where is Dr. Field? Did Dr. Field even ever exist? Mm -hmm. And there he is. Honestly, by the time that Dr. Field was found, I kind of forgot we were looking for him. (laughs) There Mm -hmm. were a lot of other important things going on. Yeah, but it kind of made the surprise even greater because I was like, oh my god, that's right. There he is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know. We also don't know where Dido is at this point. Oh, yeah. Well, and her fortune was so ominous. It was like, you're going to have to get, you're going to give them a gift. Yeah, you're going to give it. I have it written down somewhere. (laughs) So hers was, to the two people as gave you yours and it'll be a gift as costs you all you've got to give and is worth more than they know and they are there will be sorrow in the gift as well as happiness but they'll be grateful to you for as long as they live <laughs> and she's like yeah. that's a terrible fortune yeah yeah she's like i don't i don't care about giving gifts well she says i don't have any money i can't give gifts Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dido's so great. Ugh. But Dido is dead because they find the ore that she was strapped to. Yeah. And then Simon is basically grieving for the it's rest so of the sad. book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't be? It's really sad. Just, yeah, just, oh my god, this girl gave her life for me. Oh my god, now she's mm-hmm. dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
but don't worry, they'll get off the island because another one of the Hanoverian ships will stop by and say, hey, have you seen the Dark Dew? And also, we have sick men on board. Can the doctor come help them? Mm. And the doctor drugs them all. Yep. <laughs> and yes. they sail back to London and they're figuring out the, pl- the, the plot against the Duke and Duchess. They're trying to get back to London to save the day. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And eventually they do get back to London. Or not London, because they go to Chippings, which isn't in London. So we have all of our characters together again. We get everything sort of sorted out. But also the Duke has created a hot air balloon, just by the way. He likes to experiment mm-hmm. and invent things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, Why not? <laughs> yeah. And so... They're saying, okay, well, there's the mince pie ceremony that we do every Christmas with the king. That's probably when they'll try and assassinate us. They'll probably use poison in the pies, maybe, because we already mm. we told Buckle to get the pies ready, even though we knew he was one of the plotters. <laughs> oh, my God. What? Okay. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. Yeah, the- I think Buckle needs to be fired. Oh, we get to the firing scene. They do. They take the balloon back to London. They're like, okay, Simon, you go get the yeomanry. We'll go see to the king. Simon tries to talk to somebody who can help. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, we're all away on Christmas break. And so Simon does the next best, next best thing. And he gets the art students. And he says, yeah. hey, guys, we got to defend the castle. <laughs> Here's yep. the key to the cellar with all of the guns because we figured out that uh, the Hanoverians moved the guns from the Twites house to the Battersea Castle cellar. Wow. And then Simon happens to run into Mr. Twite, who's in disguise. Oh my gosh. Hannah, tell us about this scene. I mean, Mr. Twite is cold hearted. <laughs> I was not expecting this from him where he's just like yeah no worries simon like i altered the fuse it's now timed to explode at five so my dear wife my brother-in-law my sisters-in-law everyone will still be inside the castle don't worry they're all gonna die (laughs) i'm just like what What are you doing, Mr. Twight? Uh, yeah, he's he's, wow. he's like, I'm tired of their plotting. I just want to live my, my artist life as a musician. So I'm going to kill all of them. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> just wow. Wow. I want my There's cowboy a- and I want to sing. Mm-hmm. The worst. <laughs> Simon's only got 15 minutes to save the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you want to talk about James Third at all, Hannah. Because this is his one cameo in the book. He shows up to the mince pie ceremony. I'm with a very thick Scottish accent that I I I don't think is accurate, but I could be very wrong. I I know they're they're also the kings of, of Scotland, but I don't know how much time they really spent in Scotland. He spent all his yeah. time in Scotland. Maybe hey, he's fake. He's not real. I mean, he is based off of a real person who... Okay, so how long did James III in real life live? James III lived until, like, 1760. So how old was he when he died? 
I don't know. He was never king. I mean, I can... Is this the, is this my time to give the rundown of the British monarchy? Well, we can finish the rest of the book in about five seconds, so let's do that. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> Simon's got to save the day, so he gets back in the balloon, goes mm-hmm. to the castle. Everyone hop in the balloon real quick. Mm-hmm. Everyone does. The balloon gets shot. Sophie says, use the tapestry. We got the tapestry. Yes. <laughs> they patch up the hole. They float away. Buckle's about to fire again. And then kaboom, the castle explodes. Oh, my God. Yeah. What an ending. This ending, it, the book ends with an explosion. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Goes out with a bang. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the end of Black Hearts and Battersea. So, Hannah... Do you want me to give you Joan Aiken's explanation of her timeline, kind of? I mean, you can. I have a, I found an art, she wrote an article from, and it was first published in Children's Literature and Education in July 1970, where she's talking about writing the book. She's talking about writing books in general, so... Uh, So I think what happened was that my subconscious called on to produce ideas for a children's book, let out a shout of joy, and instantly came up with a plan for a historical tale set in a period of history that never was that anybody could claim for their own. A 19th century not too long ago, still within reach, but turned upside down with Stuarts on the throne instead of Queen Victoria and Hanoverians plotting to bring back Bonnie Prince Georgie from over the water. The whole Bonnie Prince Charlie myth, if you think about it, depends on the glamour of failure. If he had gone on from Derby and actually won, it would have been a very different kettle of fish. Interesting. Huh. But yeah, James. <laughs> she says, all right. Uh, this is what this was what I found with my period piece. Having a Stuart King and a few wolves in the middle of the 19th century somehow set me free to enjoy myself. That's It would have been a Stuart King no matter what. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, Han. <Hannah. laughs> it would have. Maybe John Aiken just didn't know history very well. <laughs> so, so yeah, I was thinking about how best to do this. So I'm going to start far back and then just kind of do a brief like going through all of the monarchy. So, Mary, Queen of Scots, Elizabeth the Virgin Queen. You know, rivals. Elizabeth has Mary the uh, Mary Queen of Scots killed, and then Mary's son is going to be Elizabeth's successor. So he is going to be James the First of England, and or sorry, James the First of England and the Sixth of Scotland. Around what time is this? James the First is he was like late 1500s early 1600s so i think he died in like 1620 something okay so you have him in charge he's he's an okay ruler has a bunch of children and so one of them is charles the first he's king for a bit he gets dethroned he goes into exile his children go into exile they spend a lot of time in france because his wife is the aunt of louis the sun king i believe and anyway he ends up coming back and being beheaded so then we've got charles ii who's in charge okay king he ends up dying his brother takes over so now we've got james ii and so james ii is a terrible king. He he rules from what I from what I know. He rules for like 4 years. He is like I know England is very Protestant, but you know what? I'm going to be Catholic and I'm going to hmm. just really emulate Louis the Sun King. What Louis the 14th is doing over there in Versailles is fantastic. I'm going to only have people in charge who think the same as me. I'm going to replace everybody with Catholics. He gets dethroned by his 
son-in-law slash nephew. And <laughs> so so he's in exile. And he has a kid, James III. And so again, we're still like a hundred years before this book takes place. So the timelines yeah, aren't wow. if we're if we're going with historically with James the Third would have been again in the seventeen hundreds, would have been when he was around. But if there maybe if there was no exile, he would have named his kid something else. He no. <laughs> No, he finally had an heir who seemed like he lived. Also, fun facts, people were, like, suspicious that James III was actually James II's child because all of his other children, I mean, he had two adult daughters, but most of his other children died tragically. Like, none of them could make it past childhood. <laughs> and so there, there were some people who speculated that the James III had died and had just been replaced by another child and that just like kept getting wow. replaced every time he died. <laughs> I mean, nothing can really verify that or nothing has <laughs> verified that. So whatever. But again, so then if you're thinking about George, George the first, I mean, he was also descended from Mary, Queen of Scots. So it's still a part of the same, like same line. <laughs> Same lineage, mm -hmm. but yeah, I guess Joan Aiken is right. It's not Queen Victoria taking over after everything. I, I'm, I, I just, I don't know. The timeline is weird in this book. Yeah, I wonder if it's set in the time period that it is, just so that they had like the resources and the right. technologies that they needed in order to make the story happen. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just fiction. I feel like the whole point of it was to be like. Don't worry about history, but Hannah has to worry about history. This is my favorite time period. <laughs> I mean, I feel like when you're doing historical fiction, especially with characters like King James III that was actually born on a real year, then maybe he should be born on that real year. But it's not historical fiction. That We're not reading Pam right. Jenoff. We're reading Joan Aiken. <laughs> I mean, again, <laughs> I really do love the change between James III not being called the Pretender, that George is now the Pretender and the one who is, you know, trying to get access to the to the throne. Because, again, I mean, in, in mm -hmm. real life, James II had the chance to have his son take over and continue William of Orange was like I have no kids that can take over for me sure maybe I can let your kid back into the line but you just have to promise me like I mean I'll make an exception for him but really we should only have Protestant rulers because you really messed things up you Catholic ruler how dare you <laughs> and then James was like well that's not fair I really think I should rule before my son rules so no I'm not going to take that offer and so then because of that because of James II being just a jerk his son was fully cut out of the line and it went to George. Hmm. Well, Hannah, do you have any final thoughts on the book? I mean, yeah, I final thoughts. I thought it was fun. I was really shocked that I didn't get any resolution with Dido in this book. I don't know. <laughs> I I had just assumed we'd like, oh, there she is alive. Yeah, I thought she was going to pop up at the end. And so I Googled what happened to her. She's dead. She's not dead. But Joan Aiken did intend to kill her off. Fully? Oh, she did. Really? Yes. But then she got a letter from fans who were like, she's such a good character. Why did you kill her? Oh. <laughs> and so then Joan Aiken uh, was like, oh, gee, I guess I shouldn't have killed her. And then, Aww. boy, oh, boy, did she not kill her. She made the rest of the books about her. Aww. Wow. Because, yes, we will get the sequel, Nightbirds on Nantucket, Dido, 
is on a whaling boat. She's been in a coma for 10 months. Wow. She is picked up by a whaling ship and she will end up in Nantucket and have quite the adventure there. And it's great because she's with a bunch of Quakers. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a great contrast to her. I was going to say yes. opposite of what she was raised with. <laughs> yes. Do you think the rest of the series is worth reading or are there books that you would skip? Well, I'm going to reread the rest of the series. I guess we're kind of mm-hmm. into recommendations now. So I'm going to recommend most for the most part, the rest of the series. I definitely recommend Nightbirds on Nantucket. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there's definitely sort of the core books of the series, I would say, are, I guess, Wolves of Willoughby Chase is a core book. But Simon is the Simon and Dr. Field are the only characters from that book who appear than in this book. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's my complaint about the series is that there are so many characters and so few of them show up again. Okay. So we will get more Simon later. But it's it's much mm-hmm. later. We get a lot of Dido's misadventures first. Did we ever get Sophie before? Was Sophie in the previous book? Because she was there was not. like some so many random things. Like she was raised by otters, and <laughs> she was raised by an otter. Yeah, like yes. there were so many details about her that I was like, wait, am was was she a main character in a previous book? No, okay. this is her first appearance. Where. Oh, surprise, her and Simon share a backstory a bit, but before she was at the orphanage, she was raised by an otter, and then she was raised by old Turvy Top. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. But yeah, it's okay. I was saying the core books of the series, Wolves of Willoughby Chase, Blackhearts and Battersea, Nightbirds on Nantucket, uh, The Cuckoo Tree, and Dido and Pa are sort of, I would say those are the core books. If you read those, it's sort of a complete story. Mm-hmm. There are quite a few books after that, because... She also later wrote Midwinter Nightingale and uh, The Witch of Clattering Shaws, which is more of a conclusion to the story. You can read those as Mm. well. There's a part of the conclusion that I don't really like, but maybe when I reread it, I'll like it more. Who knows? Okay. (laughs) But then the books that I didn't mention, the majority of them are just Dido adventures at sea. She goes on a lot of sea adventures for a while because... Joan Aiken just had fun writing those, I guess. And Okay. So there's a lot of those. But I will reread the series and get back to you, although I'm not going to be on the podcast anymore. But I guess it might be in the year-end review where my year-end review will be... That you read all of Joan Aiken. <laughs> I, there are some books that I have not read in this series because they don't have Dido or Simon in them, but I'm going to read them this time. Okay. I'm going to read every single one and I will have a whole picture of everything but i think black hearts and battersea is the best one i think it stands on its own the best okay but i do recommend nightbirds on nantucket if you want more dido and you want her helping a little quaker girl okay (laughs) okay so that's my that's one of my recommendations but i guess i'll let hannah give some recommendations if she has any i do uh as i have been doing my recommendations are a very loose connection to this, as in they're middle grade stories that I think you should read. The first one is Frankie and Bug by Gail Foreman. And this book just really surprised me. It takes place in the late 80s, and it's about a 10-year-old named Bug who all she wants 
to be able to do that summer is go to the beach. She can only do that if her older brother goes with her and he's all a teen now and he's finding himself and he just doesn't really have time for his younger sister anymore. So she's stuck Mm -hmm. hanging out with this new kid, Frankie, who's there for the summer. And so then, of course, they decide to hunt down a serial killer. That's not really the main plot. I mean, it seems like it's going to be the main plot. It's not the main plot. It's it's not even in the description of the book, which really surprised me. But it's l- like first chapter. It's all of a sudden like there's a serial killer on the loose. And, and I was just like, what? Um, oh, my God. But, <laughs> so that that's happening. I think part of why I thought about this is because Bug... She was very annoying to read, but also looking back on it, I mean, she is age appropriate. She's she's a 10-year-old and she's making like just dumb 10-year-old decisions throughout this book. Like all of her decisions, all of her actions, all of her reactions make a lot of sense when you think about it in that context. And I just really liked it. It's really sweet. It's just a story about being yourself and being a good ally and found family. And it's just really sweet. So check that out. Hmm. And then my other one is Amari and the Night Brothers by B.B. Alston. It's the first book in a series. It's about Amari Peters, whose brother has disappeared. And so one day she finds this weird briefcase of his, and she learns that her older brother wasn't just like this normal dude. Like she thought that he was actually an agent for the Bureau of Supernatural Affairs. And he Mm -hmm. had nominated her for a summer tryout to join their ranks. So this book is all about her going to the Bureau, finding out what the Supernatural Affairs is all about. And it's just, it's really fun. And there's a sequel coming soon. So I would check that out if you want a good middle grade. Okay. Yep. Nice. All right, Christina, do you have any recommendations? (laughs) So, okay, I do. (laughs) But one book I haven't read yet, but I just ordered it. Both my books are set in, guess what time period? Medieval. Medieval. (laughs) England. Bum, bum, bum. And so the first book, I just ordered it. I'm super excited to read it. It's called Between Two Fires by Christopher Buellman. It's a medieval horror book. Okay. Just like this book that we just read. A perfect comic title. Just like this book. It does involve an orphan. Okay. And it's an orphan of the Black Death. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, Tells the main character, tells him of a prophecy, basically, larger news that something terrible is going to happen, some sort of apocalyptic end to the world. I don't even know. It sounds crazy. Yeah, because you haven't even read it. I haven't even read it. But I'm super excited to read it. And I can't wait to dive into a medieval horror book that's set in a time period that I'm more familiar with. And the reason why I'm so familiar with medieval England is because I love to consult my Time Traveler's Guide to Medieval England Nice by Ian Mortimer. Very hard to find copies of this. I actually just got this off bookshop.org. Oh, okay. So it's really easy to find this. <laughs> but, uh, so you're just long to us. It's easy to find. Yeah, so it was actually... So it was actually very easy to find this, but if you're looking just like around local bookshops, it's going to be hard. I've only ever seen this when I was in England, in Scotland. 
And then they have like different versions of it. But super good. They cover basically everything that you can imagine about medieval England and the times, including the plague. So very interesting resource. I love it. I love to refer to it, especially when I'm reading books about medieval times and uh, which I was not this time. So I didn't refer to it, but I thought about it all the time while I was reading this book uh, which was misleading because this book was not set in medieval times. <laughs> Even though in the previous episode, I told you that this book was Dickensian. Yeah, and I don't know what that word means. Like Charles Dickens. <laughs> oh, I just thought that word just meant dukes. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, back to my recommendations, part two. Yes, Emma, tell us your recommendations. There's also, I don't know if you looked this up, uh, the BBC did a TV version of this. I meant to ask you about it. Have what? you watched it? I watched it. Is it I, good? I, I spent the last two days watching it. It's six episodes. Each episode is half an hour. The first 15 minutes of it, you just get bombarded with things that did not happen in the book. Okay. And also, okay, spoilers, in the TV series, Dr. Field dies. <gasps> He gets killed. And you immediately see it. You. Whoa. <laughs> so, yeah. So what? Like the, like you. So it starts with the baby swap. So you see that, mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. you see Doctor Field die. So there's yeah. no mystery in this series. So I'm just sitting there thinking, why did they change this? Okay, kill Doctor Field off. I guess it makes things a little simpler, but mm -hmm. there's no mystery here. Uh, what? And then I ended up kind of really enjoying it. Okay. It's, wow. It becomes okay. obvious that they didn't have much of a budget because <laughs> a lot of the sets mm -hmm. are like the art academy is just one cramped room. That you always okay. see the art students in. And the the castle mm -hmm. is also kind of just like a parlor and then a dining room. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I, I did kind of like it. It doesn't have the humor of the book. It takes the subject matter pretty seriously. Yeah. And then the way that they come to the conclusion that Simon is the actual heir... It's kind of just rushed, and it's like, oh, we found out Justin is Buckle's son. That must mean Simon's the heir. Like, ah! What? How did you come to this conclusion? Okay. But yeah, it is kind of more, is a bit more violent than the books. Oh. And okay. I kind of liked it, and I would watch it again. Whoa. It's wow. on YouTube. It, it's, it's only three okay. hours of your time. I mean. Right. So yeah. I tentatively recommend it because I did actually enjoy it, even though it, it wasn't the book. But their casting for Dido was actually pretty perfect. This girl was great. Okay. Oh, the casting okay. for Simon, I was a little wary about because like, he doesn't have black hair. He's not Simon. <laughs> but it did kind of help seeing yeah. somebody... For him and Justin, people who are actually that age playing these characters, it's like, oh, I can actually picture mm -hmm. now that okay yes a 15 year old can act like this and a 15 year old can act like this okay. and it's very different but yeah yeah i guess i will stop recommending things although i also kind of recommend kidnapped by robert louis stevenson because uh, it's, fantastic. it's similar to this book it reminded mm. me a lot of when i was reading wolves of Villa chase it reminded me a lot of kidnapped mm. and i watched oh, I kidnapped have, i 
should have recommended Robbie Lou. Why didn't I think of him? <laughs> I were you <sighs> expecting me to? I th- I was afraid you would think of it. And I was like, no, I'm going to recommend it. Well, no, I could have done Treasure Island. Have you still not read Treasure Island? Hannah, I was going to read Treasure Island, but then I read The Rangers Apprentice. Ugh, fine. And now I have to reread all of these books in this series, and then I'll read Treasure Island. Okay, fine. I'll probably read Kidnapped first, though, because I love Kidnapped. Oh, my God. (laughs) Kidnapped is so good. Oh, my goodness. I'm finished. I would talk about this book forever because it's great. Everyone should read it if you can find a copy of it. I own two copies, so surely Talk you can find one. <laughs> no, I'm not giving them away. <laughs> yes. Hannah bought me this wonderful original Edward Gorey cover for 25 cents at a used book sale. Wow. I hope yep, to yep, find yep. the other original Edward Gorey covers one day, because there are many of them, and they're really not that great, but I, I love Edward Gorey, and I love this book, yeah. so it's a quest in life. Yeah. All right, Hannah. I'm not going to be here anymore, but... I suppose you're going to read something next time. Yes. Next time, we are going to be reading Dead Dead Girls by Nakesa Afia. It's a mystery that takes place in Harlem in 1926. That's really all I'm going to say right now. I It looks good. I think, I think it's going to be a good time. <laughs> yeah. That's all I want to know about it. <laughs> all right. Well... Thank you for joining in on our discussion. You can find all of the ways to contact us and interact with our social medias in the show notes. And until next time, don't forget to treat yourself.